Well, happy Epiphany. Um, this is the last day of Christmas, actually. Uh, celebrate the, the visit of the wise men and the, and the light of the world. Of course, this is also New Year, the first Sunday of the year. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm sure you've all made a, a, a resolution. Uh, I've made a resolution not to make resolutions because I always, I always break them. Uh, but we all got stuff we're working on, right? And uh, so I've decided I really need to work on moving more. Uh, my job tends to be kind of sedentary, so i got to move. Um, and I'm more conscious of that because I've discovered on my little phone here, I, I got my, my app here and tells me how many steps I make during the day. And I don't know, maybe, have you found this on your smartphone if you have one or some of you have Fitbits you got for Christmas or whatever? these new technological gadgets that tell you about your activity level and the calories you consume and all that stuff. They'll wake you up at night, apparently, gently. And if you've been sitting for 15 minutes without getting up, it'll vibrate and let you know. You know that? Do you realize that what you can do with these things? So I want you to know that I've walked 775 steps this morning. I only have 9,000... 900 steps left, 10,000 steps a day. That's the goal, but it's, it's kind of hard, you know. It's kind of discouraging, actually, when you, you, know, you walk for 55 minutes, uh, and I know that I walk three and a half miles, and I'm still not anywhere near my goal. I mean, that's kind of scary, actually. But, of course, as a pastor, I'm not so much, well, I'm concerned about people walking, but I'm most concerned about people walking with the Lord, right? That's what we're all about. And we want to walk with the Lord in 2014. Walk more closely with Him. So let's begin this morning with some scripture, some scripture that, that contains some promises that are good for us to claim and some things that we need to work on. Reading, first of all, from the book of Isaiah. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you, and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then these words from Psalms. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. From the Gospel of Matthew, where the risen Jesus says to the disciples, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And then finally, these words in the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he counsels his fellow believers be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, 
but understand what the Lord's will is. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, with uh, a new year, there's always a feeling of, of freshness, of beginning again. And the holidays now are, are pretty much over. Perhaps the scouts have taken the tree. The kids are going to be back at school, back into routine. The church schedule reverts to uh, normal. And uh, we hope to do better this year, personally, spiritually. And so the question is, are we ready to move ahead? But you know, no matter what we undertake or do, I think we would all agree that it's important to start out right. A good beginning sets the tone for everything that follows. It's kind of true that you can tell how your day is going to go by how it begins. Uh, At least oftentimes, if it begins right, chances are the day will be pretty good. But if it's off, I don't know. If I don't wake up gradually with a cup of coffee in my hand, with the morning news, my day is out of kilter and I feel it for the rest of the day. So if you and I are to start out the new year right, there are some things that we need to keep in mind. And the first is this. We need to maintain a hopeful vision of the future. We ought to be really hopeful about the future. There's a story about a six-year-old girl who was being tucked into yet another bed by another temporary mother in another foster home. And the little girl looked up at her new mother and asked uh, asked her to take off her wedding ring so that she could look at it. And the new mother was wanting to be obliging, so she took it off and gave it to the girl. And that girl grabbed that ring. She made a fist around it. And then she took her pillow and she she planted that ring under her pillow and looked at her mother and said, now I know you're not going to leave me when I'm sleeping. Now that little girl did not have a very hopeful vision of the future, did she? She Just the opposite. She had a vision of desertion. How scary is that? If the Christian faith has anything to say to you and to me is that we should never fear desertion from God. As we think about the future, we don't know what's out there for us, but God promises always to be with us, never to forsake us. He promises always to care for us. And the promises are throughout Scripture. We just read some from the book of Isaiah. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be terrified. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you wherever you go. I will make you strong and I will help you. To some disciples who were wondering what the future held for them as they knew that they no longer had Jesus in the flesh with them. The risen Jesus came to them and said, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Those disciples who feared abandonment, who feared desertion, as he moved into an unknown future, Jesus promised them, And I will be with you to the end of the age. 
even if your child should die, even if your health should fail, even if your financial you know, statement is a mess, even if your loved one should abandon you or reject you, God says, I will be there for you. And I will see you through. I'll take care of you. And even though there are times when sometimes it feels like God has abandoned us, we know in our heart of hearts that he loves us with a love that will never let us go. That he is indeed there for us. It's a wonderful promise to claim at the beginning of the new year as we move into the future. We need to believe the promise. There's a wonderful verse in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you hear that? The Father's going to give us the kingdom. We're on the winning side. God is going to give us all good things because God reigns. We can look at the future with hope because God will be there. His kingdom will come for the world, for the universe. His kingdom will come for you and for me. You and I don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know what the days are going to bring. But we can entrust our future to God. And that ought to lighten our load as you and I walk into this new year. But it isn't just the future we need to think about uh, if we're to start out right, but we need to live more fully in the present moment. You and I need to concentrate on living each day to the full, making it count for the kingdom of God. Paul says to the Ephesians, make the most of your time, or more more accurately, buy up the critical time. Seize the opportunity, buy up the critical time, for once the moment is past... It's gone forever. Frederick William I was the king of Prussia in the 18th century, and he was on his deathbed. Standing nearby was his pastor and his wife. And and the pastor was telling him that if he was going to be ready for heaven, then he would have to forgive all of his enemies and all those who had injured him. And his thoughts immediately turned to his brother-in-law, his hated brother-in-law, King George II of England. And Frederick reluctantly said to his wife, In that case, write to your brother and tell him that I forgive him. But don't do it until after I've died. (laughs) Well, if there's someone for you and I to forgive, then let's forgive now. If there's someone for us to love, let's do it now. Because this is the only moment you and I know and can control. So that if there's some anger or some bit of resentment, let go of it now. In order to start out right, maintain that hopeful vision of the future. But let's be most alive in this present moment. Because this is where God is meeting us now. One devotional writer puts it this way, there's no time for rehearsal. The great play is on. Every day is another block of time in which to live. To live, to love, to serve, to weep, and to laugh. You cannot employ today 
only to set the stage for tomorrow. There may be no tomorrow. Researcher William Marston once asked 3,000 persons, what have you to live for? And he was shocked to find that 94% were simply enduring the present while they waited for the future, while they waited for something to happen, waited for their children to grow up and to leave home, waited for next year, waited for another time to take that long dreamed about trip, waited for someone to die, waited for tomorrow without realizing that all anyone has is today. And it's such a waste because all we're doing is postponing happiness. We'll all die waiting. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now is a day of salvation says the Lord. And so we need to make it count. We do the good deed now while we're thinking about it. Don't put it off. Someone penned these words. We shall do much in the years to come, but what have we done today? We shall give our gold in a princely sum, but what did we give today? We shall lift the heart and dry the tear. We shall plant a hope in the place of fear. We shall speak the words of love and cheer. But what did we speak today? Do the deed now. Make every moment count. This moment can make a difference for the kingdom of God. I found these words from John Wesley. I've seen them before. Um, and uh, I guess if you want to call it a resolution, this would be a good one. It's kind of general. But with regard to doing good deeds now, this is what he says. John Wesley. See, I like Methodists too. It's okay. I, I, I do like, I like Methodists. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. How cool is that? Okay, I'll repeat it. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And I would add, and you can do it now. Don't put it off. Maintain a hopeful vision of, of the future. Live more fully in the present moment. And then you and I really need to let go of the past. What happened yesterday ought not ruin our life. So we've messed up in days gone by. We've made some turns in our life that were stupid and foolish, made bad decisions. We, we did things that we feel sorry for. We tend to, you know, punish ourselves, you know, 30 lashes constantly. Some of us wallow in self-pity for the things that we did, the things that happened that we can't change, but they still are there lingering in our mind. 
But the good news is that we can take all these things to God and know that God will forgive us and will enable us to forgive ourselves so we can let go of the guilt and we can begin again. Listen again to the words of the psalmist. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. Do we believe that? Can we claim that promise for the new year and let all that old stuff go and begin again? I mean, if God can forgive a guy like Paul, who spent his time chasing Christians around, throwing them unjustly into prison, and was complicit in the murder of the first Christian martyr, if God can forgive him and use him, God ought to be able to forgive you and me. The gospel, essentially, it's good news. It certainly doesn't load us onto us more guilt, but rather brings freedom. Freedom from all that crummy stuff in the past. And we've all got it, don't we? We've all got skeletons in the closet. We've all got the dark side. God says, you know what? You can let go. You can begin again. There's a clean slate for you. When I was a kid, way back when, I used to like to play with an Etch-a-Sketch. Remember Etch-a-Sketches? That was high-tech in those days. <laughs> you know, and I, I could never draw with it, you know. You know, it would make a mess of the screen, but it was always nice to know that you could just, you know, shake it and it would be gone, a clean slate, begin again. Well, that's kind of a simple illustration of what happens in the gospel. You can make a mess, not turning out right, but God can enable you and me to start fresh, a clean slate. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie uh, The Mission. Uh, came out in 1986, starring uh, Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. And uh, it's really a good movie. Um, there is some violence in the movie. It's just part of the deal. Um, but it, it makes some powerful moral points. Uh, and it's, uh, basically, it's a beautiful illustration of God's liberating forgiveness. The evil slave trader in the movie, played by De Niro, murders his own brother in a fit of jealous rage. But afterwards, he experiences a spiritual conversion. He comes to know Christ and chooses to take upon himself a visible penance for what he, has, what he, what he did. He took upon himself a visible penance by wearing, chained around his body, 
and dragging behind him a terrible heavy weight of old armor and weapons as symbols of the life he has renounced. He put all this old army, these swords and so on, in a, in a net. And so he would walk around camp dragging this thing, this heavy weight. It was part of his own penance for the terrible thing that he did. Well, time goes by and his conversion continues. And he himself takes religious orders and becomes a brother. And he joins the Catholic mission to the native peoples of this South American country. The peoples that he had formerly terrorized with his kidnappings and violence. So he's a new brother, and uh, to arrive at, um, at this mission field, it was necessary to scale a tremendous cliff. It was a sheer cliff, and beside, or coming down this cliff also was this magnificent waterfall. To climb, to scale this, this sheer cliff was almost impossible for a man without a burden. And it seemed certainly impossible for a man who was carrying around a ball and chain like, like this convert. And so as you're watching the movie, you're feeling tense because you've now come to love this man who has got this ball and chain and he's making his way up the cliff and you naturally hope that nothing's going to happen to the guy. And there are many near misses. And finally he reaches the top and he arrives, he's gasping and, and uh, he's sweating profusely. Moisture from the falls is pouring off of him when who should step out of the trees beside him but one of those natives whose wife he had raped and sold into slavery. And the native looks at him and sees his enemy so vulnerable, sees him with the priest and with the other brothers, realizes that he has been converted and a very, in a very dramatic moment, the native takes his sword, lifts it high, and brings it down, breaking, severing the chain that that man had been lifting and dragging around. And so in the movie, you have this scene of this, this net of armor, the old life, plunging down into the to the waters below. That's an incredible illustration of God's liberating forgiveness. Because of God's grace, the chain that we tend to carry around, the chain of guilt, the heaviness of the stuff that we've done, through Christ, what he did for us upon the cross, has now severed that chain and we are free to live a new life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But you and I have to claim the forgiveness in order to experience the healing. Which means we need to take God's promise of forgiveness seriously and take it to heart. I mean, do we believe it, really? I mean, usually every Sunday, 
you know, we have that little assurance of forgiveness. We confess our sins and there's that assurance of forgiveness. But do we know the freedom of that? Do we know what joy that is? Do know how incredible it is? It's not just our sins that we tend to carry around, our ways that weigh us down, but also the aches of deep, deep disappointment, uh, the resentments around a partner's addiction, or perhaps the terrible bitterness of love that ended, and the pain of all the broken parts of our past. And you know, there is no way to have a hopeful vision for the future until we're free of the past. And there's no way to be fully alive in the present moment doing the things that matter most unless we are free of the past. Freedom is what the gospel is all about. Imagine walking into a new year and into all our days feeling fresh and new and liberated from all that weighs us down from all that binds us, and from all that is broken in our lives. If you and I can just claim that freedom and give ourselves over to the care and to the forgiveness of God, we'd be starting out right. And isn't that what we all want? Let's pray together. Lord, as we begin this new year, as we walk with you, man, we want to come to know you more intimately. We, we want to follow you more closely. Lord, help us to understand that you are with us always and that we can entrust our future and our present and our past to you. Lord, thank you for the freedom you grant to us, for the possibility of new life. And Lord, we pray that we would each walk in the newness of life, that we might start out right, but also that we would finish well. To you be all the praise and glory. Lord, we are in awe of your goodness and of your love. For each one of us. Help us to experience anew your love and grace, your forgiveness, and really take it to heart so that it transforms our lives. We pray all these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.